If you want to know how to create like the grades, let's break it down. This is Create Like the Greats, a podcast where we take you into the inner workings of how some of the greatest creators of all time did or do what they do. We study the strategies and techniques that some of the greatest creators are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. I'm Ross Simmons, your host, and I'm here to help you in your pursuit of creating something great. Now, in this segment of the episode, what we call journal entries, I like to take you behind the scenes. Take you behind the scenes into my world, into my life, the things that have made me who I am and the things that ultimately I'm trying to overcome or kind of tackle in my day-to-day life as the CEO of Foundation. Foundation is one of the biggest content marketing firms in the world doing work with some of the biggest content marketing um, engines in the world, meaning we work with some of the biggest and baddest SaaS companies all over the globe, ranging from up and coming startups all the way through to publicly traded cloud companies that are worth billions of dollars. We work with these companies every single day to help them rank in Google, to help them generate results. And I do it all from my own home in Nova Scotia, Canada. That's right. I live in Nova Scotia, Canada. A lot of people don't realize it, but even today, a lot of people will send me a DM and they're like, hey, I noticed you're from Canada. Are you from Toronto? No, I'm from a small little place called Nova Scotia. And if you want to go really deep, I'm from a small little place called Preston, Nova Scotia, where the population is probably less than 5,000 people. You see, when I was growing up, I grew up in rural Canada. I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up in a pretty much a a country. Like if you were uh, in the country rural kind of environment, if you were driving down my driveway, it would probably take you about four minutes just to get from the one end of my driveway to the next. That's how far into the woods we were. And we had acres of land, uh, not just a plot. Like I'm talking country lifestyle. But one of the things that impacted my entire life while I was young was this fact that I was a pretty shy kid. I wasn't somebody who always wanted to Um, be the center of attention. When I was in elementary school, specifically, I can remember if the teacher was going to ask a question and they wanted you to read uh, a certain page or a paragraph within the book, I kind of tried to make myself small in my chair so they wouldn't pick me. And the reason why I tell you this and the reason why I even give you a bit of a background into kind of where I am today is because all of this has been intentional, right? I intentionally had to overcome what I would say is one of the biggest limiting factors in many of us is careers and life. I was ridiculously shy. I am still arguably in some ways an introvert. Yes, don't get me wrong. I can get a lot of energy from being on stage at an event and speaking and going out and shaking hands and talking to people, no doubt about it. But I am oftentimes exhausted at the end of the night because it is an exertion of energy. However, you throw me in a dark room with a laptop to be able to write for hours and I will come out of that thing beaming because I was able to execute and do so many things and have very little interactions. So how did I go from being a ridiculously shy kid, so shy that at one point I'll never forget and this is the first time that I'll ever admit it and I won't admit it ever again. Okay, I will. It's on the internet now. But I can remember I was so shy that in one class I wouldn't raise my hand when I needed to use the washroom. And I essentially used the washroom. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. Um, It wasn't number two, it was number one. So it was wet, but it wasn't anything else. Either way, it was a horrible experience because I was so shy, right? I was so shy, I wouldn't raise my hand just to ask the teacher if I could use the washroom. It was ridiculous. That's how shy I was, folks. Now, I say all of this because I meet people all the time who say, Ross, how do you get into public speaking? Like, I'm so shy, I'm so shy, I can't do this, I'm too shy. But 
it's so important to try to overcome that hurdle. Because when you have a moment in your life where you realize that even your own shyness is a self-limiting belief, like you're not actually shy, you're, you're perceiving yourself to be shy, and you start to go at it with that mentality versus this is just who I am, that's when everything changes, right? I oftentimes talk about what it's like to be shy in navigating through a networking event, a corporate event, attending a conference. How can you do all of that? Like, how can you make all of that happen? Well, the way that you make it happen is you come to realities and come to grips with the fact that you are in control of all of it. I've attended a ton of conferences and networking events all over the world. Through my experiences, I've learned a lot of different things and tips that I believe even the most introverted people in the world can take inspiration from that they can use when they're trying to network at conferences and events and so on and so forth. So today's episode, I'm not only going to share embarrassing stories about my childhood, which I may or may not will regret in the future, but I'm going to share with you some of the tips that I've learned over the years that I hope you can incorporate in your own career, in your own life to create something great. And by the way, if you enjoy this episode, please send it along to somebody that you know, someone that you love, someone that you care about, somebody who might be struggling with the idea of coming out of their shell. Let's dive in. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with your customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's kind of like trying to remember the name of the guy that you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Was it Don? Was it John or Sean? Who knows, right? It's like that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution program, at least. It brings service and success together in one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that helps handle frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps your reps anticipate customers' needs. And a full 360 view of every customer so you can go to market and your go-to-market team can have a pulse on the accounts before you try to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale, support, drive retention, and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service, happier customers at every single stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more with your customers today. A lot of people find it hard to believe, but when I was in junior high and even early on in high school, my nickname was Shy Ross. My nickname was Shy Ross because I was, well... Shy. One of the things that constantly comes up when I talk to people about being shy is how do you navigate through networking events? How do you navigate through a corporate event? How do you attend a conference and actually stay motivated? Last year, I attended a ton of conferences from events in Sweden to New York to Boston to Toronto to San Diego, all over the world. I've been all over the place at conferences and throughout this experience, I've learned a lot of key things, a lot of tips for how you can maximize your time at the conference, how you can ensure that you're not that shy person in the corner who doesn't want to approach people. Trust me, I've been that guy. Um, and how you can ensure that your time at conferences and networking events is actually maximized. And in this video, I'm going to share with you some of the tips that I've learned over the years so you can use them in your own career and really make sure that when you go to these events, you're using your time effectively. The first tip that I would share with anybody is the importance of engaging with the hashtag. Most conferences, most events will have a hashtag that they're sharing and talking about before the event. What I'm recommending you do is you go on Instagram, you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook and you look for this hashtag and see who's tweeting about it. 
See if people are talking about they're going to be in attendance. And all you have to do is simply hit that like button and they're gonna get a notification that you've liked the fact that they're talking about this conference. And that allows you to build a bit of familiarity. That allows you to build a connection and a common friendship so when you're at the conference and you see them, you can say, hey, you're the person from Twitter or hey, you're the person I saw on Instagram. And trust me, it's not creepy. When you do that, it's always a positive interaction. You're gonna say, hey, I saw you send out that tweet that you were in attendance. I'm Ross, nice to meet you. You have an open dialogue and by doing that, you now have a conference buddy for the entire event. And my second tip is a conference icebreaker that I think anybody can use and everybody should use because it's so easy and it's always a guarantee to work. All you have to do is you go up to somebody and you say, what's been your favorite talk so far? And when you do that, it opens up a dialogue. That person's gonna tell you what talk they really enjoyed. They're gonna tell you whether or not they're actually enjoying the conference in general. And that just easily opens up a dialogue where you can learn about their industry. You can learn why they found value in a certain talk. And if there was a specific thing that they resonated with and you can provide value that builds on top of it, that's where you double down. You double down that conversation on those key points where that one question can open up tons of information around where somebody works what their interests are in, um, what talks they're going to next. It can open up conversations around whether or not they're enjoying the conference at all. All of these discussion points make it easy to just flow with the conversation and build a real relationship with somebody that you just met. My third tip, which I completely just started to use last year because it was becoming overwhelming when I would walk off stage and I would meet tons and tons of people after giving a presentation, I would often feel like it was overwhelming to keep track of all their names and I knew tons of opportunities were slipping through the cracks because I couldn't remember everyone. I would get all of these business cards, I'd get back to my hotel, I'd lay them down and it felt like something out of Sherlock Holmes where I was trying to navigate and explore and figure out who was who and I couldn't do it. I would go on LinkedIn looking up their names, try to remember the faces and remember the discussions and I just couldn't put together the pieces. And then I came up with a simple solution. I started to take photos of the business cards when I received them and then I would email that photo of the business card to myself with notes about that discussion to ensure that when I followed up with that person, I could say things like, hey, it was great talking to you about this topic. I really enjoyed that conversation. Here's a blog post that I was referencing when we were discussing ABC. Here's a link. If you have any questions, let me know. Did I mention I'm actually gonna be in your city, which I remember because I wrote the email on this date. If you're around, I'd love to grab a coffee. By sending yourself an email with a picture of their business card, you can add context. So you're not looking at just a business card when you're going through your emails, you're seeing the business card, you're seeing what you talked about, you're seeing um, a description of some of the key points. You can write down if they have a daughter, if they have a son, you can talk about these things. So when you write that email, it seems like you're somebody who they've known forever. The fourth tip, do not be afraid to join a random conversation, especially if you see just three people. If you see three people, that is a gold mine because one of those people are probably not as engaged as the other two in that conversation. So you can go up to that group of people where there's a three person group and you can start to engage with one person and then it becomes a duo where there's one conversation over here, another conversation over here, or it's a group conversation regardless. A three person group is always one of the best groups that you can jump into where you can add yourself to the mix and you become a quad. Uh, and when you do that, and you approach it effectively, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna go back to tip number two. You're gonna ask them, what talk have you enjoyed the most so far?
a lot of people get weirded out by that idea of just walking up to random people. But what I want you to do and what fixed it for me as being a shy person, what fixed this entire mental roadblock for me was remembering my fifth tip the golden rule. Do unto others what you would want done unto you. Most people don't mind a random person coming up to them when they're at an event because at events you're typically there knowing that you're going to meet different people. You're going to meet new people. So when you're approaching them, don't feel awkward about it. Just ask them, what is then your favorite talk? Tell them your name. Tell them where you're from. And if you're from someplace that is far away, even better. People love talking to folks from outside of the country, people from other states, other provinces, other cities. They love that. So, so talk about the weather. Talk about these nice light conversations. And I promise you, people will not think it's weird and creepy that you approach them to have a discussion. My sixth tip is to do a quick search on Facebook for Facebook groups. A lot of conferences today are actually building Facebook groups before the event and people are joining them and they're having great discussions beforehand. Some of them are actually planning dinners weeks in advance of the actual conference. And if you are seeing these conversations happening, they present opportunities for you to jump in and say, hey, I'd love to attend this conference uh, dinner. I'd love to go to this after party with you or this pre-party with you. I would love to go for this jog with you in the morning. If people are having these types of dialogues and these conversations in Facebook groups, there's really not a better time and a better opportunity to build meaningful relationships with people. I really do believe that outside of the actual talks is where some of the strongest relationships happen. When you're going to dinner with a random group of people, when you're going on a tour of Prince's hosts, which happened to me on a random conference, like those are things that you never forget and those are the experiences where you build real relationships with folks. Which takes me to my seventh tip, which is to say yes to lunches that happen to be happening offsite. Again, like I said, these are the moments where you build those real relationships. And if that lunch is gonna go into a, another talk and it's gonna last a few hours later and you're gonna miss a talk or two, don't stress it. It's completely fine. Because in reality, the vast majority of the talks that you're gonna see at this event can probably be found, the information that they're sharing can probably be found on YouTube. It can probably be found on a blog. It can probably be found in a journal, in a research paper, in a report, in some type of document online. But what you can't find online is that FaceTime with a potential client, that FaceTime with a potential boss, a potential manager, a potential colleague in the future, a potential investor, somebody who could truly change your career long-term. So invest time and energy in these offsite random experiences. My eighth tip is around approaching speakers. Everybody wants to talk to a speaker. Everybody wants to talk to the keynote. Everybody wants to get a selfie with the big name that they brought into town. And I understand that concept. I understand the value and the desire to get a selfie, to get a minute, to pitch them your idea, to have a conversation with them. I understand that, I respect the hustle, but here's the thing. This happens to them every time, single time. This happens at every conference. This happens at every event that they speak at. This is something that happens on a regular basis. And when you're meeting 20 people, after you just go through an hour presentation of sweat, of adrenaline, of motivation, of you being up there and you're jazzed up, when 10 people are lined up or 20 or 30 people to talk to you, you're not going to remember anyone. It's all gonna be a blur. You're not gonna really have that time to decompress. You're not gonna have time to remember that pitch, to remember that name. And sure, they can tell you that they're going to, but it's probably not gonna happen because in their mind, it's just chaos right now. They're wondering, did my talk land? Did people tweet positively about me? 
Did that joke actually bomb because nobody laughed when I said it? Did anybody catch that? Did anybody catch me stuttering for a few seconds? Did anybody notice how sweaty I was? People are going to be thinking these things when they've just gotten off stage. So for you, it's important that you actually don't rush the stage. That's not the right time to actually approach a speaker. The best time to approach a speaker is like 20, 15 minutes after they've given the talk. And you say, great job on your presentation. I have a question for you. And then you ask them that question. You introduce yourself. You have a dialogue. But it's after the chaos. It's after the madness. It's after they've gone through that period where they've been able to clear their head, take a deep breath, and they now can actually remember your name. Tip number nine, very simple, very straight to the point. I'm not going to overdo it. Drink some water. Tip number 10, do not be creepy slash stalkerish. I know it should go without saying, but... It doesn't. Tip number 11, drink more water. Tip number 12, bring a portable charger. You don't want your phone to die when you're at an event or an after party. You can't call an Uber because your phone's dying. You don't want to fall into that scenario. So make sure that you have a portable charger on you. Tip number 13, drink more water. Tip number 14, always say thank you to the people who clear off the coffee, clear off your tables, serve your food, give you the lanyards, who pass you their programs, who, who do the things that are really thankless jobs. Say thank you to those people. Give them some appreciation. Tip number 15, drink some water. All right, so there you have it. Those are some of my favorite tips for how to attend conferences and do it the right way. I really hope that you've been able to take some value out of this. I hope you can take these insights and apply them to the next conference that you go to to make sure that you're maximizing your time. Remember to drink water, remember to bring chapstick, remember to bring a portable charger. Those are some of the basic tips, but those are also some of the most important. If you want to know how to create like the grades, let's break.